Welcome to the Church of Mavis radio show. It's Friday night, 7.01 p.m. Well, that clock's wrong. 7.07 p.m. Central. <laughs> Every clock is wrong in this house. So even the synchronized one on the computer is not right when it's supposed to be like synchronized to some weird like universal thing that does it automatically. Uh, we have Daniel uh, Moeller here with us tonight. The Shamanic Soul, a guidebook for self-exploration, healing and mysticism. Good to have you here, Daniel. Hey, thanks for having me, man. And uh, our co-host is Wham tonight. Wham representing. Hello, Wham. She's up in New York City. No, no, no. And no, I'm up in the Mid-Hudson Valley. There's such a difference. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I've never been there, so I don't know. Everybody <laughs> thinks that, that if I live, you live in New York, you live in the city. It's like, no. There's like a whole state, and the city's like down at the southernmost end of the state. Cool. And real quick, tell everybody about your audio book so everyone will know about oh, that. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Um, my the, the book I published um, three years, I guess it's been two and a half years ago now, before the pandemic, Mysterious Beauty Living with the Paranormal in the Hudson Valley, is now available on Audible. Cool. And it's narrated by the uh, most amazing Michael Hacker, who we have interviewed on the show. And he's been doing those Jock Valet UFO books on his, uh, uh, he scored those things. So yes, those yes. are pretty cool for sure. So you can find those also on, uh, what is it? Uh, Dimensions or Revelators, like the trilogy or something that yeah. Jock Valet did, did. Uh, so you can check those out. All right. Uh, first off, Daniel, the, the reason we do this show is because, weird stuff happened to us and so you're in good company and basically just to give you the the breakdown is uh of my story my 17 testicular cancer went through chemo lost one in the war and then several years later my dad died and i it was just a lot so i started seeking spiritual and had a lot of weird experiences from ufo stuff I don't know if I was abducted. If so, I don't remember a damn thing, but I've seen weird stuff in the sky. Had some being encounters that I don't know what they were. I've heard everything from angels to, you know, gnomes <laughs> to elves. But uh, one of my big ones is I've seen beings of light with my physical eyes sober. I've seen them while partying, but I've seen beings of light many times, which, you know, in a lot of shamanism, they luminous beings of light. Uh, so basically just did the show to find out what the heck happened. And here we are 13 years later. And one of the big things that helped me with shamanism and coming across, you know, uh, Michael Harner and Serge Galley King and uh, Jose Stevens and, you know, Carlos Castaneda, which was interesting, even though I, I know there was some weird cult stuff that happened because I interviewed that Amy Irving and there was some weird abuse mm -hmm. in that little situation. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was someone that that helped me, you know, deal with stuff. And I guess my first question for you is what started you on this journey? Well, um, I mean, I've, I've always kind of like my whole life since I was little had just weird, strange encounters and occurrences and things happen. Um, seeing, you know, supernatural figures, you know, appearing in my bedroom um, in other locations when I was young, um, you know, so all kinds of stuff happening like that pretty regularly throughout my young life. Um, but what really got me into the shamanic work um, was uh, I went through a period of my young adulthood um, 
had a violent incident happen to me and it um, basically I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD and it made me sick. Um, like, so like, you know, when, I mean, like the doctor tells you, if you're not like feeling well emotionally, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get sick physically. And that's, that's what happened to me. My immune system was completely compromised. Um, I was in and out of the hospital. I was usually spending a good part of my life completely covered in uh, massive boils that were just, you know, eating through my skin, um, covered in bandages, bleeding out all the time in pain. Um, and, you know, with the PTSD, I could not interact. It was hard to go to work. I couldn't even, I, I wouldn't even be able to have this conversation without vomiting, um, let alone like now I can go and speak in front of 200 people without breaking a sweat. But um, I started, I started down the path of like um, alternative modes of healing, like energy healing, Reiki and things like that. Um, but it's still, nothing was ever really quite gelling. Um, and uh, some of my community, you know, mentioned, um, she said, she said to kind of go down the native American path and that, that she felt like that was something that would be, uh, important for me to pursue. I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I've always been interested in Native American spirituality, like huge interest, but I just like, how does a white guy in the middle of Kansas, you know, go down that path, you know? Um, but it turns out not 20 minutes away from me living out in the boonies, um, uh, as a man who is uh, trained in Peruvian Kirindismo and also was trained in the Lakota tradition as well um, and ended up connecting me to um, many other uh, medicine men and women um, of these traditions and paths, including from Peru, some from the, uh, you know, First Nations uh, peoples uh, here in America as well and just started diving in training and um it just you know the the first time i met him um my uh, he, i mentioned him in my book his name was daniel as well um which was a synchronicity and like around that time that what that's like you know all these like coincidences were gelling in my life together i'd always experienced some supernatural phenomenon before but everything was coming together at that time um which you know synchronicity is usually pretty like a common signifier that you're you're kind of heading in a very interesting direction you know you may want to pursue that path um you know ufo encounters were huge i don't know why the shamanic path is so um in tune with like the ufo phenomenon but it is um and and other types of just unexplainable things happening to me but the most important miraculous thing really for me was in a matter of a couple of years I mean, I, I was completely healed of the ailments that were like destroying my body and destroying my health. Um, and here I am. So when you first met this uh, medicine man, I mean, that's pretty unique. What state were you in? Kansas. 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 Okay. Um, so, and, and I always like to tell people, um, Kansas City has a wonderful secret. And its secret is that it has an amazing metaphysical community amazing there, there are so many different groups and organizations here and they're all really well connected and everybody's very supportive of one another um and i've known people who have left kansas city and have gone to places like california or wherever thinking they're going to get these re really cool 
spiritual like alternative community experiences but they always end up missing kansas city <laughs> um because it really is pretty fabulous here it's it's one of the reasons i really enjoy living here it is uh i know i know i had tragedy with testicular cancer you had tragedy would you consider that a shamanic death that kind of brought you into it uh, that's what it kind of seems like with mine yeah yeah, I mean, the, it, there's that whole adage of the wounded healer, you know, the, the person that has to face that sort of death or pain in a breaking point um, in order to kind of move through to the other side. It's it's a form of initiation in many indigenous cultures, right? Um, it's, a, it's a process of, you know, you're, who you were no longer works and operates anymore, and it has to die off. Um, and a new form of yourself has to strive and move through. And that's certainly what the shamanic initiation process was for me. That's what my training was all about. Um, and that's what, what I really appreciated about it is that, you know, I was kind of going through that anyway, just because of my health, but it gave me context and understanding of what I was going through and kind of uh, provided a compass for me to kind of navigate into a, a better form of myself. And definitely, and you said when you were younger, you would see spirits, or do you think there were alien beings? What what kind of encounters? Um, you know, me and my buddies, you know, would always see things, but I did, I did have a lot of occurrences. Um, another thing I note in my book is one of the first experiences I have of any memory is of a supernatural woman um, uh, watching me through a window. Um, and this figure would always kind of come back and reoccur. Um, not really alien related. Um, it, it doesn't feel ghostly either. I don't, I've never really understood what it is. Um, but I had, I had UFO phenomenon when I was young too. I've seen, you know, I've encountered all sorts of weird things. I grew up out in the Ozarks. Um, and there's all kinds of just weird stuff out there. <laughs> really, Any a, big foot? situations no i've never encountered like bigfoot sasquatch yeti although i do know that um specifically in uh, like the himalayas the yeti is a like a shamanic figure it's like this being this daimonic being that kind of acts as a uh, um uh, what am i trying to say a medium point between you know, this world and the next um, so i know that there's some indigenous cultures um in the himalayas that will actually give offerings you know, to the Yeti whenever they're wanting to commune uh, with the other world, which I, I've always been interested in. And I've always wanted to go to an area where, you know, there are sightings and, you know, check it out and commune. Well, you need to come up here to New York. Go to New York? Not you New York City, though. No, no, no. The Hudson <laughs> Valley. The, the, the Bigfoot, the, the Bigfoot, the Bigfoot, whatever, you know, mm. the big hairy guy. Mm. Uh, creature here is identified with... Um, an Algonquin um, spirit, an Algonquin forest guardian named Masinkwe. Mm, whoa. So, um, in fact, uh, Masinkwe uh, celebrations were part of the harvest ancestor festival um, among the original Muncie Asopus people here. They don't do the great house ceremony anymore. That's what they called it. Mm. Uh, and there are so specific reasons for that, but uh, they, you know, if you if you check out in Oklahoma, if you check out, if you look up De the Delaware Nation, you'll see they have a mask of a being 
who's half red and half black, his face. And that's the mask of Masinkwe. Yeah, I'll need to check that out. That's interesting you say that because um, in my heritage, I found out not too long ago, I, I ha my family line has a connection with the, with the Delaware um, uh, in our past. And I even have, I, I come from a Mennonite um, background mm -hmm. and they, they keep their uh, family history pretty tight. You know, they, they've got these giant ledgers and I, I inherited some. And um, there's a, a case of like my great, 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 great cousin um, was uh, there was a, an attack um, on a Mennonite village and the Delaware Indians took uh, my ancestor and uh, a few of his other siblings and inducted them into the tribe and all that stuff. And I know people have had like, you know, people have stories about like, oh, my great aunt was, you know, an Indian princess, whatever. But I mean, it's an actual written thing I've always been wanting to take to the Delaware tribe so they can uh, just have that as part of their history. Well the, well, the Delaware, the Delaware is what the Muncie came to be called. Yeah. When, when yep. they, when they went West. Interesting. Refugees. So where I live, I live on the, the actual place where my, the house is where I live is, is in an old um, Muncie um, wintering area. So mm. I've become very connected sort of with, all of that around. I mean, not all the Muncie left. Some of them are still here. Sure, sure. You know? <laughs> some, some of them are in, even though the, the I guess the home is in Oklahoma, some of them are in Kansas as well. We have a Delaware yeah, community it's a here. There's a Delaware. Yeah, it, it depends on, it depends on um, what reservation they ended up in. So there are some Delaware in Kansas and some in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And then there are some Muncie, but but outside of of of, of Kansas and Oklahoma, they do refer to themselves as Muncie. So there is like mm. one Muncie um, a group in Canada, and then there's another one in Wisconsin, and uh, I mean that are recognized by the state, you know, by, right. by the federal government. There are other pockets of them though that have have remained. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to connect with some of them here. So. That's awesome. Yeah, good to know. Definitely cool. Um, and uh, definitely some history. I have a book on Bigfoot. It's, it's a fascinating subject. It's Praise for the Hairy Man's Secret Life of Bigfoot. It's interviews with all kinds of different people about Bigfoot, from the craziest thing to the hunter that wants to bag and tag it to a guy that thinks it's an alien, So, <laughs> which is Kiwani Laparitis, which he's pretty cool. Sasquatch People has a very interesting book, but it's a fascinating subject for sure. And uh, I guess uh, one thing I've been dealing with lately is I've had some kidneys, a kidney stone situation. Uh, I know I was told that there's one that's big that needs surgery and I'm trying some stuff that's coming in the mail called stone breaker chakra piedro. And I've been having some blood pressure stuff and lately just sleep has just been butchered. Like, so I've been dealing with like fatigue and, you know, just God, it's just felt like dreadsome. So I guess, what do you do when you're feeling like that? Is there anything that you like to do that helps you to boost your energy or that's shamanic? I mean, what are some things that you do? Yeah, my regular practice, um, other than just going out and just being in the woods <laughs> by myself is, I was trained in the tradition of the Mesa, which is a specific shamanic altar that I use for healing purposes. So on this altar, we have um, what we call artes, which are just sacred artifacts 
um, that we we have on the altar that have um, very uh, specific purposes, some for healing, some for meditation, some for divination, and so on and so forth. Um, and so in most shamanic or animistic lineages, uh, you know, the, everything is conscious. Everything has a sort of consciousness to it that you can commune with and interact with. Um, and so these artifacts, we, we interact with them as conscious beings um, that, that, ha that provide medicine. Um, and some of these artifacts can just be a rock, you know, that you found on a walk somewhere or something or a stick. I mean, it doesn't have to be some, anything fancy. Um, and it's different for every practitioner. It's, you know, because it's important that these artifacts are, you know, special spe specifically to you to the individual and that you have a relationship with them. Um, and so my practice is usually um, engaging in, with those um, artifacts in what I call limpias, which is a form of uh, using those artifacts to kind of clean out heavy and dense energy um, within my body, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, um, whatever. Um, and it, I don't just use them in the way it's like asking permission and then also giving offerings to them, you know, um, when, when I've, I'm done, you know, utilizing them as, as tools in that way or as, as assistance, um, because that's part of the whole, you know, you know, it's just shamanic paradigm is a lot of it is about having rapport with the other realms and with the unseen realms. And so with that, we have to have a relationship like you would, but just like we, I would with any of you or I would with my wife or something, you have to give a little intake and it's, it's a relationship you're having with the being and you have to treat them in that way. And almost talk to them like, you know, crazy Tom Hanks talking to a volleyball or whatever. I mean, it, it's, it, it, I mean, that's kind of accurate and very true. It's that, you know, you kind of maybe seen movies of people like talking to their plants or whatever. It's, it's the same thing. We use plants in that regard too. Um, and so that's, that's like my main mode of like health moderation for myself. Other, other than just going and sitting under a tree for a while in the woods away from everyone and everything. Yes. <laughs> so. And uh, when it comes to shamanic training, what are some of the things that you can share that maybe you were taught at first by your teacher? And then if you could go a little bit more into that. Um. Well, one of the things that I was first taught, um, other than just, you know, kind of the basics of the Mesa, like what I've talked with you, what, what I just shared with you, um, but that consciousness and reality is broken down into three basic levels of being. And if you've read Michael Harner's Way of the Shaman, you mentioned him earlier, he talks about the higher realm and the middle realm and the lower realm. Um, and the tradition I was raised raised in and trained in um, uh, was a Peruvian tradition. And so they refer to those realms as the Hanak Pacha, um, which just kind of basically means that higher realm, the Kai Pacha, the middle realm, and the Uku Pacha, the lower realm. And they're not like worlds in the sense that, you know, people think of, okay, so there's heaven and hell and then earth, you know, um, they're, they're more about dimensions of consciousness and being within oneself. They do have spaces you can travel to through astral travel, um, which was, you know, shamanic journeying, which was a huge part of the training as well. Um, but um, really uh, uh, in, engaging with those realms 
learning how to navigate them both um, in conscious states of mind and altered states of mind as a means to kind of uh, heal myself and others was like one of the main uh, the fundamental uh, things to learn from the very beginning. Um, because each e each one of those dimensions holds a piece and a part of who we are as human beings. So like the lower realm, the ukupacha is more kind of a subconscious state where, you know, our subconscious mind resides. Um, the kaipacha, the middle realm is the here and now, right? It's us here talking and it's where we eat, sleep and go to the bathroom and have our animals in our house. Um, and then the higher realm, the Hanak Pacha is, you know, very kind of associated with that sort of like angelic realm, you know, uh, but also can be, you know, a place for like you mentioned earlier, luminous beings or, you know, these like ascended beings or ancestors that kind of help guide us. I see the Hanak Pacha more as a realm of aspiration and inspiration like you know where the compass points north so it's it's for me it kind of represents the future um state of my evolution um and so those were some of the like the main concepts that i learned and then you know i would have to you know i was taught all sorts of things including how to do limpias for myself and others so energy clearings um learned the preparation of you know different herbal remedies specifically um uh uh it work uh, that we did with the uh, San Pedro uh, cactus and entheogenic uh, sacrament um, that we used for healing as well. Um, and, you know, also just like the basics of, you know, doing pilgrimage out in the, out, out in the wilderness on my own and being tasked with, you know, vision quest and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, numerous, numerous things. And um, I did go through, I did go through kind of like a, I don't, know if it's like a graduation but um did get put through a sort of rites of passage which was pretty brutal because it was about you know testing me to my absolute limit and and pushing me um you know to kind of you know create or kind of induce a shamanic death for myself um, to kind of you know help me evolve into the next form of human that i was you know aiming to be in my life so that was a lot. <laughs> and San Pedro is that like peyote or something similar? It's similar. It's it's masculine based, like peyote is, and it's in the same uh, uh, family of cacti, but it is a, a different species. Um, peyote grows in buttons, it, usually in the um, American or North American Southwest, um, and the San Pedro, also known as Wachuma, uh, in 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 Peru, usually grows in the highlands. Um, you know, of the Andes mountains and grows in stalks, um, just like pure, just, um, really tall and they can get up to, I mean, my gosh, they can get up to 12 feet tall in some cases, um, and get really huge. So yeah, um, pretty much learned the like preparation of that, um, you know, taking that and inducing that and then, um, being able to assist others, you know, um, in those journeys and, and, and healing specifically through, um, the use of that particular sacrament. I miss DMT. It's short and sweet, and you don't think you're going to die for three hours or four hours. <laughs> you know, Sam. You know, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I, I hear you in the sense of, um, you know, I, Mother Ayahuasca and how that can feel 
Um, but San Pedro is really gentle. Um, I think I, I, I've never had a negative experience. It's always just been um, beautiful and um, uh, really keeps me like alert and um, it's full of life. It just feels so full of life. Um, anytime I've ever uh, had the opportunity to be in relationship with it. So I could have had experience with the, the toad situation, but I watched some videos of that. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to do that. One. Yeah, that looks, that looks <laughs> really scary. Brutal. That looks really yeah, brutal. no way. Like I'm having blood yeah. pressure just not on anything. That's not a good idea. Yeah, there, was a, there was a while when I was, when I was younger <clears throat> and I wanted to, you know, get involved in like any kind of thing like that. And I was interested in doing it all. And I, I when I finally got through my rites of passage, I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, I think I've, I think I've done enough. I'm, I feel, I feel confident, you know, I don't need to prove myself with anything. And um, it, there's no reason to like push yourself unnecessarily, you know, and that Definitely. kind of stuff seems like it's just, really pushing it yeah <laughs> no judgment to anybody who's doing it and if it works for you yeah definitely I'm, I'm to the point i don't want to go to the emergency room but mild stuff i might try but uh yeah. and uh one of my weirder experiences uh and I, I i was on something with a friend partying in my 20s but we were uh it might have been an exit or something <laughs> but anyway we're in the back of a house and we saw three cloaked beings standing in the woods in a black box. And they were very small. And a cat jumped towards them and they vanished. And we both saw it. Like it was mutual. Like, do you see that? Yeah, you see that. And uh, at the time, I had been reading stuff about Celtic Otherworld and stuff like that. So it seems like a lot of that can happen. Like when you read something, you can bring stuff onto you on some level. Uh, I think I've had that happen a lot. Or recently, my we I got bit by something on my leg. I still don't know what it is. But my mom also got bit on her hand by something. And I said a prayer to uh, Raphael, because I usually use Archangel Michael a lot, but I did Raphael and just kind of imagined green energy. And my mom had a green light float to her room and she's like 70 something, but she said it was a green alien. But I mean, I don't know what it was, but it was kind of a neat little synchronicity that was interesting, which I needed the boost, the positivity, that's for sure. And her hands doing better. So that's good. But it's just interesting. These things, uh, I know at first you were into uh, to, to Wicca and stuff like that. And it, it, it grew to, to shamanism, right? Yeah. 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 And I've, I've had a, a couple of interactions with uh, kind of the fairy realm or the fae realm when I was, you know, deep into Wicca, which was, which was pretty neat, um, including, you know, seeing um, a, a, a small, a small being, she's probably maybe two feet tall, um, run across a creek um, that I was at and like the water splashing and everything. And it was like, pretty mind-blowing it wasn't an animal at all it was like a little person little little guy um but and and i had had other you know i've had other occurrences and things like that that were you know more kind of on the periphery you know not really direct but um in shamanic you know in my shamanic training it just it just all clicked for me i think it was just probably you know encountering the right person it was the right time in my life you know, um, and just in, engaged in the kind of practices that would just work for me at the time that um, 
I started, you know, I started really seeing things like crazy. And you mentioned, um, you know, reading something and it kind of coming into your life. Um, what's really interesting is when I started my shamanic training, I had a dream about these beings in red that were kind of like the counter to the men in black phenomenon. So, you know, the men in black are, you know, the guys that come and try to get people to forget or to, you know, tamp down any evidence of a supernatural phenomenon. But I had a dream about these beings that were dressed in red and they were all trying to like get people to remember and to, to like promote these like supernatural occurrences happening and, and for people to remember and be involved in it. And I ended up writing a book about it. Um, I just made up a story with these characters and these beings, but I, during, I wrote it during my shamanic training and I tried to include all this stuff that I was learning and these other occurrences um, that were happening to me in the book. And then I find out, you know, a few years later, I meet a Kirandero in Peru who says that these beings are completely real, these beings in red. Um, and they have a, like an ancient legacy behind them and that he's even met some of them before. Um, and I was on a podcast just even a couple of months ago and I brought that up. I ended up getting like 20 different messages from people who have had similar encounters of these beings in red. And I'm just like, what? I've never heard of this phenomenon before. And I thought I just like kind of made it up. And so it's just, it's another one of those weird things of like, you know, fiction and nonfiction aren't like, I mean, they're kind of the same thing and they bleed in and out of one another. And you have to like not have like these boundaries set up really and, and be ready for the unreal. It's, it's were really they human-like or humanoid? Or were, were oh yeah, they... for me, they're very human-like in the encounters that I uh, that people have sent me. Some people even sending me like drawings that they did of them. It's just human beings dressed in like red clothing, um, and in my book, they're like in red suits, like kind of like the men in black, just wear black suits, you know, kind of like that. But um, the and I, I've read in even some folklore. This is what triggered when you were talking about like the. Uh, Celtic and you know the Fae and everything. Um, I've read in some folklore that, uh, like in Ireland and some other um, areas, that there are some beings of the fairy realm that are dressed in red that kind of act as intermediaries between the unseen realm and the and the mundane realm. So cool. it's weird. I'm thinking about. I'm. I'm. My wife told me I should. You know, maybe start collecting all of this evidence together and try to compile a a book about it, like an, like a real book, like a nonfiction book about this phenomenon. Definitely sounds interesting for sure. One of my big ones was the being, being of lights, uh, the light beings. And I was in uh, Silver Lake here in uh, Mariana, Florida, and I had been watching some watchword Bible DVD thing. I grew up Christian. I, I kind of go everywhere now. Uh, but seeing beings of light, it definitely verifies that there's some kind of Christ consciousness or something maybe linked to the sun where that's where they get their energy, the source or something like that. But anyway, I, something told me to go outside and look towards the house. And I went out there and looked towards my house and two beings of light left my home. Like they were inside of it, flew through the roof. I was completely sober and they flew into the heavens. And it was just like two glowing beings of light and i've seen them many other times uh uh i've seen them on psychedelics before there's one time me and a friend were tripping and we both saw a being of light like a big 
light being on a cloud going like this because he had, we had just done it and he had happened to be driving but it was not that far from the house five minutes on a country road or something but it was kind of like it was saying i don't know if it was saying no 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 but we both saw it at the same time it's just like a big giant being of light standing on a cloud top and you're like do you see that <laughs> yes do you see that and uh i've been trying to figure out what those things are but an interesting thing uh was it don oscar i have trouble saying his last name it starts with a q quesamato or Miro, Miro, uh, don oscar miro quesada yes mm -hmm. that's it he's been on the show it's been a long time but he said down there in uh south america they would gather and have like little celebrations and watch them in the sky and he has video of them yep so i was like wow okay that makes me feel better so mm -hmm. completely nuts and uh so has that has that come up at all beings of light in any of your stuff have you seen it yeah i mean stories? don oscar is actually one of my teachers um oh, cool, cool. and um, so definitely there's like that lineage there of those beings of light showing up. Um, so a lot of times when we did shamanic ceremony, we would have, you know, lights show up in the sky. Um, not necessarily figures, although some people would see them sometimes. I did uh, the first time I actually ever did um, San Pedro and was in a San Pedro ceremony. I That was the most relevant experience I ever had of a being of light before. Um, and she was it was a she it was definitely feminine and she was she was huge she was so tall she even extended past the ceiling um and and came right to me and and, and had this like amazing encounter with me i don't think i could really explain it with the english language this encounter um and what blew me away is the kirandero um at, at at who was facilitating you know was asking me who that was you know, who was, you know, so who was that being like, you know, he was assuming it was like one of my primary guides, which she has become one of my primary guides. Um, but that was like this huge confirmation, like you're, you're saying that like, you know, someone else saw that too. And it was the Kirandero who saw and facilitated um, that ceremony, um, who saw her and um, she's become a primary guide of mine. And she's very connected with the stars. She's uh, very um, very uh, always luminous and bright. Um, oh, it's there's oh, there's always some kind of um, calming presence when she comes in, but also like terrifying, if that makes sense. Like a ter like a terrible beauty kind of like presence yes. to her. Um, and I've never had that much of a physical encounter with her since. But I do, I do bring her in whenever I do my work and I do ceremony and ritual. I bring her in in dream time, and I have had some encounters um, with her, like in dream time and stuff. But nothing as solid as that um, particular experience. It was, it was pretty incredible. But she's always provided this kind of um, healing guidance for me my whole life, and has always been. I mean, I guess you could almost say like a guardian angel type, um, type phenomenon um most definitely and uh a lot of mine it's like they're just kind of floating in the heavens like a star but is it a star or is it them or it's almost right. like uh it seems like i know i came across something in a jeffrey mishlove book by an astronomer and it said some stars are indeed deities and i've interviewed jeffrey mishlove and uh it's like the sight and that's like i could look into the heavens and see them seems like when i was younger they were more clear but now it's like i still see them but seem more like 
seems more like a Sims game. Like you're looking into another reality where maybe that's where we all project when we go to sleep and you go there when you die too. But there's definitely that quantum realm and I've been able to see into that. And uh, then some of the light beings experience have been more personal. Like I remember sitting Indian, Indian style in a driveway and just seeing one go through the sky like it was like superman like something out of a freaking comic book or something like just fly through the sky and you see it mm -hmm. and uh i guess uh when it comes to that you said starlight have you had experiences where you stare into the heavens and see stuff like that oh yeah light and things like that i have that a lot oh yeah a ton a ton I, I mean ever since even back when i was a kid i mean like i said i grew up out in the country in the ozarks we saw the stars all the time, you know, there was no city light. And I mean, it was almost a weekend occurrence. We would sit out and, you know, uh, there would just be all kinds of strange phenomenon. If you sit out, if, I bet you if anybody had access to the sky, no matter where you're at, if you just sat out all night and were just had no city light around, you would see all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and I mean, weird, weird stuff like going on in the sky, like happening every single night. Um, one of my favorite places to go is um, the San Luis Valley in Colorado, which is huge with UFO phenomenon. You've got the great sand dunes there and it's just like all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's it's weird that that um, phenomenon uh, really seems to get triggered by um you know people's like uh sense of consciousness as well like you were saying like it kind of feels like that they may not even be extraterrestrial at times like it's this like weird quantum phenomenon that is existent um that you know john keel who did the uh mothman prophecies yes who wrote the mothman prophecies um one thing about that book that really always stuck out to me because that is a lot of people think that book is just about the Mothman, and it's not. It is no. primarily about UFO phenomenon, and he he says that it's absolutely a terrestrial phenomenon, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. meaning it's like it's happening here on this planet, and it's not that it's like weird Star Trek star beings from you know billions of light years away. Um, that always like rang so true to me whenever I first read that, and so whenever I have these experiences. I just like, I really try to just ground myself and like, and, and try to understand that this is a, this is a phenomenon that's happening with mother earth. And it's somehow like a part of her consciousness, just like we are a part of her consciousness as well. Um, and, you know, part of me just likes the mystery of it too. <laughs> One of my big experiences and it was on Halloween night and yes, I was partying and, uh you know doing whatever <laughs> now i'm just medicinal weed i quit kratom recently i got on i admit i have arthritis and stuff and i quit that that sucks coming off of <laughs> i don't want to do it anymore but as far as uh the only thing i do now is uh medicinal weed and a nicotine vape i'm about to get rid of that but uh, it was a lot wilder in my younger days when my dad died and experimented. When he told me when I was alive, if you ever did drugs, I was going to shoot you. And he would have if he thought. And so I never did them. When he died, I did them. <laughs> I was like a little Scarface for two years. <laughs> but, but anyway, now it's just medicinal weed and a nicotine vape, which I'm trying to get rid of the nicotine vape. But uh, I don't really do it as much as 
from other people. Like I've had two bottles of that stuff. I swear to God, it's lasting me like a year. Like I don't even know how it's doing. Like, like it's not even. I must not do it that much, but it seems I do it every day, so it must not be a lot anyway. But one of my big experiences was I saw some reptilian serpentine-like beings around in a lake, and they were not physical, but it was almost like they were astral. And uh, at first, I was like, oh, my God, fallen angels, the devil, Faustian pact, I'm gone. Because I was from Georgia, you know, my dad was a, a preacher, seeing something like that. Because I, I can remember the thought process, like, oh, my God, it's a fallen angel. And uh, But anyway, they were telling me, like, I love you and dance and write and weird stuff that was positive. So it was like Deepak Chopra, but a reptilian. But anyway, when I see the picture on your book and I see some of the Mayan and Aztec kind of like I have these Oracle Mayan card, Woodglyph cards, it reminds me of them. Yeah. And I don't know if they're reptilians in the reptilian alien sense or what. The, one was kind of like a hydra. One was humanoid. Very weird. Like, that's mm. all I know. And it's like just thinking about them, they know it or something still. But yeah. what is that on your book? And have you had any reptilian type situations? Um, the image on my book uh, is a, a, a freeze from the... Uh, Temple of Shavin de Hawantar. So the, the San Pedro tradition that I was trained in dates back thousands, thousands of years. Um, they even dated it back as far as 2000 BC. Um, and that this specific temple that this frieze comes from, Shavin de Hawantar, was a ceremonial temple um, uh, where they would initiate um, individuals in these underground canals. Um, and using the San Pedro sacrament. Um, and th there was actually an article I just saw the other day that they found extra tunnels deep inside that are even older than what we originally thought. So this tradition is now going back into like the 6,000 year um, range. Um, but that particular uh, individual, and there are many, uh, you know, figures like that, like on the cover of my book, this one is very special to me. I happen to even have it tattooed on my body because it is, it's supposed to be the, the, the emblem of like the, what we call the Wachuma God. Wachuma is the San Pedro spirit. Um, and so that individual is holding a cactus stalk. And so um, of, of the San Pedro and, you know, he's using it as a staff, as a way to be able to, you know, put his stake in the ground um, as an individual, as a human being. Um, that is fully integrated. And what I mean by that is that individual is actually a mix between a jaguar, a serpent, and a condor. And each one of those animals are representative of the three realms that I talked about. The serpent of being of the lower realm, uh, the jaguar being of the middle realm, and the condor being of the upper realm. Um, and so each that this person was able to integrate all these different parts and pieces because each one of those animals represents like personality aspects um, within the human being. And normally those aspects are kind of split and fragmented. And the job of the shamanic being is to be able to integrate all these pieces into a singular whole. And that's what that being is. And it looks fierce and it looks like, you know, crazy. <laughs> Um, but you know, when you meet, when you meet like shamanic beings, you know, shamanic practitioners, 
or uh, like you had encounter with these like reptilian beings or other, you know, people have had encounters with, you know, fairy realm. They can seem fierce and, and upsetting or like jarring at first. You know, the first time we've ever had any kind of supernatural encounter. When I saw that witchy figure in the window when I was a young tyke, it was like, oh my God, it was freaky, but it's only proven to be this like medicine over time. The other realms aren't that like scary you know, behind the, you know, when you get behind the symbol. Um, so um, I've never encountered any kind of weird reptilian stuff like that. And I'm always, I'm always, when I hear about the reptilian phenomenon, um, I'm, and I'm not saying that people don't have these experiences, but I also just get a little leery because to me, the serpent is a powerful medicine healer. It's a symbol of wisdom and it's yeah. a symbol of change and transformation. And to, yeah, I just don't, I, when we some say, rep, it's pretty stupid. Some of it. <laughs> I definitely. Yeah, well, uh, well um, yeah, but there's also, I've, I've heard some really interesting, convincing encounters from some people too. Um, and so I know there's just this phenomenon and I, I just, I hope that people don't in their minds keep demonizing like the reptilian nature of, of, of the world that we live in because there is an important aspect of that that does provide medicine and it can be harsh and scary you know i don't like yeah. snakes like for real <laughs> in yes. real life but you know they they, they provide wisdom some yeah. of the thoughts on reptilians can be genocidal <laughs> well, yeah. well my experience with um reptilian beings i mean my approach to all of this is somewhat different than what you've been talking about mm -hmm. i don't think it really is but it has a lot to do with the fact that that i because of the nature of the growth that i've done and the, where i've been in my life it's really important for me to that everything be very grounded in actual physical reality in some way and so it's really important that i not use drugs or not do any that of that kind of thing when I'm doing this work. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say that I haven't done drugs or, you know, I haven't had all of the experiences that that Jeffrey has had. Um, I have fewer experiences, but they are very significant. Um, and the way that uh, what, you know, I, I guess I kind of started using I started in, in these things using the Seth material more than anything else. Hmm. And what I do, what I recommend to people is that if shamanism seems a little far out to them for one reason or another, the Seth material is a really good place to begin because a lot of what you're doing there is working with dreams and working with visionary materials in a way that's very practical hmm. in an everyday fashion. Um, but the way this works for me is, uh, I mean, I did actually, I have actually had a vision, uh, two visions and dreams of reptilian beings. And so, uh, and they're snakes, they're horned serpents specifically, which in um, Northern uh, American Europe, uh, indigenous tradition um, are, you know, it depends on the nation, but um, some nations consider them to be kind of questionable and other nations consider them to be, you know, if you can get their medicine, it's really, really significant. Uh, but I, I had, I've had two really important dreams um, and waking vision experiences. And my experience of them is that they are connected to the, to the fundamental powers of the earth. 
itself to to those powers that actually help to 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 maintain the physical structures of the earth and that's that's why we experience them that's why we're here but that's also why they i think they that they are scary to people because they have a specific job to do which is to maintain the physical structures of the earth and and human being and and their principal interest is not human beings we we want everything to be interested in us right and their principal interest is the earth and not human beings and so right. we ex that that's a real threat to our ego and so we we freak out about that um, we have a hard time with that. Um, and so so you have stories, at least here in the Northeast, you have stories of of uh, of horned serpents, um, which uh, the Munsi called Bixixuk, uh, that they would actually some of them would actually um, ally themselves with human beings and others would just take human beings that they liked, you know, <laughs> and and so uh that, you know, it, and, and I guess what's important for me to, to emphasize is that for me, you know, these stories aren't just symbolic. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they actually are um, windows and indicators of, of actual realities that are, are present that interface with us all the time. Right. And, and uh, I mean, I, as you were talking, I thought about this particular artifact, which I've had for a really long time, and you can't see it probably. I'm going to have to break. See how it's got this spiral pattern on it? Oh, yeah. That spiral pattern is very specific. A beaver did that. Okay. <sighs> and and so um, this, this came to me when I first moved I to the Hudson Valley. I was here probably maybe less than four months, and I was out walking with a friend, and we were walking um, on the... Uh, uh, the FDR, no, what is it? The, no, the Vanderbilt estate. We were walking on the Vanderbilt estate, which is this big, huge mansion, ma mansion estate that, you know, is now like a state park that you can walk in, you know, the Vanderbilts owned it at one time. And I was, we were walking down by a stream. And as we came around a path, there was a beaver standing a, a, a beaver just right there, you know, and beavers are large animals if they're adults. And, and we walked and we, it, you know, it startled us and we startled it. And it looked up at me, looked right at me, just like right in my eyes. And it had this in its hands like this, you know, they hold it like this and they do this business, right? Had it in his hand and it just looked at me and it was done. You know, see, it's got like bite marks here, bite marks here. And it was a green <clears throat> stick and it looked at me and it just went like this. It just dropped it. And then it just kind of went and walked off, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I came up and I saw it and it's just, it's like the most amazing work. I mean, it's like, it's got these, it's got like, you know, a, a beaver's had its lips all over this. And, and um, I took it as a welcome um, because here the beaver means um, community. The, the beaver, uh, the beaver uh, is a protector. It's all. It also moves between uh, the. It moves between worlds. The worlds of the water and the worlds of of the land. And and uh, it's connected to trees, obviously. And so I've I've used it ever since. You know, and that that's how I gain my. I don't call myself a shaman because, to me, that's a term. I've been trained. I've been trained by indigenous teachers here. I've also been trained by 
um, Northern European um, teachers. But I don't call myself a shaman because for me, that's very culturally specific. Right. Yep. Same so um, I know you talk about that in your book and, and I, I understand marketing. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, t- to me, it's stuff like this that is just as real as any as any um, vision of a being of light. Don't get me wrong. I've had my UFO experiences. I've had ghost experiences. I've had all kinds of experiences from time to time. Um, I have a Bigfoot experience actually, which scared the living shit right out of me. And I do not, that's not the F word. And I do not, and I don't recommend it particularly to people because I get the sense that we're not supposed to see them all the time. And so chasing after them and, and, and trying to run them down with FLIR, you know, um, cameras and stuff, that's not something that indigenous people would do. That's just really weird Mm -hmm. uh, to me. But, um, you know, this to me is, is just as real as a vision, you know, what yep. the Beaver gave me, you know, so, you know, and, and, and what happened a couple summers ago when I, I needed a sign, I needed a sign that I was headed in the right direction. I went outside, I went outside on the porch and found stuck, stuck in some of the planking on the, on the porch. I found this, which is the, which is are, are, is is a pin feather of a of a bald eagle cool. you know so it's kind of like well because they fly over our house all the time but the, the point is is that you know i didn't have to go out looking for that it came to me right so um you know those kinds of i think the important thing that my teachers have taught me though is um and i because i didn't know how to do this before and now i do it all the time is learning how to read the signs that are just always there. Yeah. So, you know, like I have a teacher who has done, has helped me understand uh, birds and the signs that birds give me. Uh, and they do give me signs um, and, and other animals or um, weather stuff. You know, all of those things are, are indicators of larger patterns that if you not have read them correctly, you, you just, you, you really don't need to do anything too outlandish. Right. The information's around you all the time. Yep. You know? And uh, um, so that's sort of what I keep my stuff on. You know, I mean, I have an altar. I have all this stuff that's evolved over time that people have given me and stuff. But it's, it's, it's very important that I not look for, look for the big experience. You know, that, that's just really not what I'm about is the big, exp- I've had a few big experiences, you know, which I will tell people sometimes about if they, if they need to know one, if they need to know that they occur, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? You know, um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not out, I'm not out for the big experience. You know, it, it's enough for me to get through my day, but, but, but Bieber is good. This is, this is good. I that just, is really good medicine. That's, that's yeah. wonderful. I use, I use this all the time. So cool. anyway, by the way, I meant to tell you, I'm, I'm from Kansas too. I was oh. born and raised there most of my life. I lived in Kansas city until about, I guess it's been 17, no, 17 or 18 years ago, something like that. Oh, okay. When I, when I finally moved to the, to the East coast, I got my PhD at uh, KU. All right. So, um, you know, I'm very familiar with the, 
with the uh, communities or the various communities that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, I was more involved. I was sort of involved with the neo-pagan community for a while. Um, I, I was one of the founding members of the of the festival that is now of the community that is now called the Gaia community. Oh yes, yes. Nazi. I was when when that the very first meeting of the Council of the South Wind, which was the or, or you know the the kind of the egg that gave birth to what that eventually became. I was in that first group, mm. um, and uh, um, I but and I'm also been very involved with the the Sufi community there um and in fact still know a lot of people there my teacher is still in kansas city my oh, excellent so but the other thing you must you must say it's not just the metaphysical community if if you if people if people want to know one of the hearts of kansas city the kansas city area they need to go to the mexican restaurants of which <laughs> a healthy variety you know i've lived in new york now for this long and i've yet to find a decent uh, Mexican restaurant that is not just simply glorified Tex-Mex. There's one on every corner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and really good ones too. You know, yeah. and, and 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 especially if you go into the Argentine district, it's just fabulous. Mm, yeah. So you know, it's it's one of those un, unknown secrets of Kansas City, which I tell other than barbecue, which right, I'm right, that's not a secret. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge barbecue fan. So you know, but anyway, so. I love it. It's a good city. I, it's, a, I, it's a decent city. I, I I just can't deal with the heat anymore. So that's why I. Yeah. I mean, um, I, Jeff I mean, and I, I were just talking I about that. Farm. I grew up on a farm in Kansas part of my life. So it's like, I'm so done with this heat. <laughs> just, yeah. I'm so over it, you know? Yeah. So. It sucks for sure. It's already terrible here. I'm already getting ate by things. <laughs> well, we do get eaten by things. I mean, I can. I mean, I've got like black fight fly bites and stuff. We do get eaten by things, but you know, and it and it can get to ninety degrees and very occasionally higher than that. But it'll stay for one or two days, not for six weeks. Yeah, you know, or like all of July and August until you want to die. <laughs> right. Yeah, August is brutal here. August is brutal. I, it's, it's starting to extend into September too, so we're getting almost two full months. And I mean, um, sometimes you can't even have a Halloween without sweating. God, um, like so crazy, which is just ridiculous. Right, man. <laughs> in Florida, we'll be lucky for a cool breeze in November. Sometimes late October, it just depends. Lately, it seems since the Earth's wobbling and magnetic stuff, we get some cold, more cold. So, but <laughs> it's colder winter and hotter summers. But uh, Daniel, what's your power animal, dude? Um, yeah, so really, uh, I I attribute uh, most my my closest relationship is with um, any kind of feline um, animal, cats, and most specifically the jaguar has been the um, a primary animal that's been like my strongest um, ally through through my work. I, I have a connection with with other animals, but I, I we don't get like assigned. There's no like assigned totemic like power animal. It's just you know we use all animal life and whatever comes to you in dreams or journey work or whatever is what becomes your ally and, and working close. Um, and for me, that the jaguar. Um, and the Peruvian tradition is 
um, very much a, a being that um, is an intermediary between the two realms because he exists here on this realm um, in the in the middle world. But for me, also, it's you know, it's a being of great uh, balance and is very limber. Um, lands on their feet, you know, has sharp eyesight and sharp senses. And um, I love all cat energy. I just like, if you have a cat, I'm happy. We just got a little kitten and. Well, what, well, our, well our, our cat has a house. Do, do I? Our cat has a house. You know, in other words, there's a cat here. But it's not ours. Right. That's right. a different thing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. We're just here in her space. Well, exactly. <laughs> we're, here, we're here to be the thumbs that feed her. Yep. Yep. For sure. So, so when it comes to shamanic sight, I know when I've had some of my experiences where I see things, it feels like I say the great spirit of God putting a hand on you and they kind of like something showing you. Is that what is your experience with the site? Is it like Beastmaster or, you know, to me, it feels like a almost like a, a hand on your head. And then you'll see something like in the heavens or whatever. Then later go out, it'll be dull. It's like that hand went away for a while and it'll come back another time. But that's what it seems like for me. Yeah. So I was taught that shamanic site, which I was trained to, like the term that we use is Vista. It, it just it's it just manifests as something completely unique and different for every person. So for some people, it might just be like an intuition or a feeling. And other people, I know some people that see colors. I know some people that like see stuff all the time. For me, it's always just been, um, you know, really just like sitting in the quiet. And I, I just, I, I feel the motions by just sitting in a quiet space, which is why I like to be out in nature a lot. Um, and just sitting out and allowing the natural world to just speak to me. Like a lot of like what Wham was speaking to, you know, earlier um, of just letting the world around you, you know, speak in its natural setting. And like for that's where I, that's where I feel like I get all the messages that I need and any of the information that means the most to me. Um, but I, I do know individuals that have, um, and I've had some cases of like interesting things of sometimes seeing stuff or um, whatever, but mostly it's just in this like space of quiet um, for me in the natural world. Um, and just like, you know, what is, what are the birds doing as they're going across the sky? What's the sound of the trees? Um, and, and what, what do they have to say? What's the, like the blowing of the grass and the wind? Like what, what's the message there that's for me that that's like for how shamanic site sort of manifests what what book was it that was noted from graham hancock for arthur of the month which book of that was of yours oh <laughs> um the shamanic kabbalah that was my book on um my experiences with Kabbalah and it was really about kind of relating my training in Kabbalah and um, correlating it with the shamanic path that I was on and seeing all of these different connections um, in the two, in the two modalities and kind of bringing them together into, co into a cohesive whole for myself. It was like really for me and my wife and the, 
the the initiation we went through with Kabbalah together um, and the way we kind of created our own curriculum based upon our shamanic training. Um, and I ended up just writing it all down and it manifested as a book. And Graham Hancock out of nowhere, um, you know, displayed it on his website. And, you know, he appreciated some of the different items that I talked about regarding the, the ancient architecture of some of the temples and how they relate um, to different symbols in the uh, Western mystery tradition. And um, just, you know, he's always interested in seeing how all of these different cultures across the planet have like, you know, um, interconnections among them, you know, woven through them. So that's, that's probably how it came up on his, I don't know how it came on his radar, but um, that's certainly why he chose it. So that was kind of cool to get a message from Graham Hancock. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. another one of your books, Terrence McKenna, Machine Elves 101. That sounds pretty fascinating. I know Terrence McKenna was fascinating. Still is, I'm sure, wherever he's at. And yeah. Uh, yeah. that was a, a good one. Did he play a lot into your uh, teachings? Yeah, I was really into Terrence um, early in my uh, shamanic training. I've since kind of grown out of out of them um but i mean i i devoured his books i would listen to his youtube videos a lot i really liked seeing him speak um or hearing him speak um but yeah that book was interesting i was tasked by evolver publishing uh, to write kind of a quick little bio um of him and his life and his work and um, what it all means and represents and got to interview his brother dennis um and since the evolver kind of went out of business um and i got the rights to the book back and my goal i i've tried to connect with the terrence estate to see if they wanted to do some kind of new revision or anything like that but i haven't been able to get a hold of them um yet but i don't i don't want to reissue it at all because it's not available anymore but i don't want to reissue it until i get you know their blessing they're busy tripping, but they'll be back to you shortly. <laughs> Growing <laughs> <I'm> something. <laughs> but but uh, let me see. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is just, uh, I know a lot of people say, you know, I've, I've talked to, I know Michael Harner talked about drumming a lot and some of the experiences in there uh where they didn't do drugs and they used drumming to have these experiences uh seem seem pretty intense and I, i've been messing with some drums and i haven't had anything that strong but i'm still willing to try but i know some of the stuff i've read from horner is pretty you know uh uh extraordinary with drumming experiences have you had drumming experiences and that are extraordinary that's my primary form of journeying is with drums um the most uh, amazing experience I ever had with a drum was, um, oh, Moyam, you might be uh, familiar with the Kansas City Pipe Circle community. <laughs> okay, so every year, every year they host a dance um, uh, called Stone Dance, which is mm -hmm. um, yep. yeah, uh, by by medicine or, or medicine teacher mind stumbling deer facilitates. Yep, and um, they uh, so that's cool that we <laughs> have that connection. Um, but, uh, they, that was the first time I ever encountered like a mother drum, like powwow style mm -hmm. mother drum. And, um, big, but, huge, big, huge, big, huge drum. Yes. Huge. And just, they, they just resonate through your body. Um, but I was, um, very quickly, um, uh, invited to come and even join on the drum and the, the power of 
another drum when people are pouring medicine into that and and the the rhythm and the beat and the way that vibration just you know courses through your body it's it's like it, you start feeling this pulse of mother earth itself i completely my sense of self the first time i did that was completely gone and all i felt was the mother's heartbeat under underneath me just boom 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 boom, boom, boom. And I, I, I don't really recall much of like that first, um, it, it, that first moment, that first time, other than it was just pure unbridled joy. It was right. pure unbridled joy. Now, um, see what they, what they do in the Sufi community. If I mean, and Jeffrey, I can give you more information on this. Is that there's a very, very complex, and this is this is an. This is in all Sufi communities, really. There's a really complex tradition, of, because a lot of the a lot of the the drumming traditions and chanting traditions in Sufism come out of Central Asia, and so it's a combination of of Arabic, African, Indian, and Central Asian stuff that's all just sort of been merged, and so there's some very complex ways in which there are schools in which you can learn this. I mean, I only really know a little of it um, where you can, where you're taught uh, how to use different types of rhythms to achieve different types of states. And so where I've experienced this is in what's called zikr, which are these large group, large groups of people that where you have drumming and other instruments, but everybody's also chanting and moving in specific ways, but you're moving in unison. And it's very much like circle dancing um, in, in indigenous um, communities here, except that it's much more complex in a lot of ways. And uh, the rhythms are more complex and it produces, I mean, the most extraordinary changes of consciousness that I've had have been in those settings um, because basically every part of you is being occupied with rhythm and you're singing and you're moving and and it's not just you it's everybody in a group I, what you were saying about kind of the group experience everybody in the group doing this as one and it's really i've had some a couple of really amazing experiences that i did not expect at all you know what I mean? And, and uh, where your body is, you just feel your body being transformed and, and, and you experience levels of hearing and seeing that, that you wouldn't have otherwise. And, and there's absolutely no altering chemicals except what your body is producing involved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, 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 it is amazing, you know, so. So I know you have a section of cosmos and consciousness. And one thing I've learned about all these experiences in this show through one experience, when I first started doing this, I was uh, doing these little press conference uh, with no audio interviews in a chat room where people would just show up and you type questions to them and they would answer like Stanton Friedman, uh, UFO, uh, nuclear physicist. He's passed now, but back in the day, and, and I, at one point I was having trouble getting interviews and I said a prayer and then I had a, a crazy UFO sighting uh, where I saw these red like energy orbs in the sky. And it's almost like they seen that I saw them and my uh, brother and nephew saw them as well. 
And then I told that story and ended up on a radio show for the first time telling that story about uh, those seeing those UFOs. And then I started getting interviews with uh, people like Nick Pope and all kinds of different people. The guy from UFO Hunters, William Burns. And next thing you know, I'm on the phone with Stanton Friedman, helping him through the chat and stuff like that. And it was like raising consciousness, like something appeared to show that I was doing something to raise consciousness and it seems that's what a lot of this is about uh, do you agree with that and what can you tell us about cosmos and consciousness i know it's a big big one yeah um well yeah i mean i think it's what it's all about is just evolution and the raising of consciousness i don't i think i feel like that we're kind of all probably just we're all in a creative experiment together i, I mean for me we are literally biologically children of the earth. And so, uh, I mean, we came from her, we came out of her and we evolved into where we're at now. And so for me, that means that we are kind of, we, we and everything else, um, every tree, rock, lizard, whatever, we're all at the forefront of this consciousness of the planet together. Um, and so we're all parts and pieces of that collective. Um, and so I don't think that there's any end state necessarily like, oh, here's this like stage of evolution that we're all going to evolve to and we're all going to be light beings and whatever. Um, I'm not sure it's that coordinated. I don't know. Um, but I do know that it's, you know, I, evolution is important. It's important for all of us to keep growing and trying to get better and trying to you know, refine ourselves and to, um, you know, make ourselves more whole if we can. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're going to be perfected like super beings uh, anytime soon. Um, and probably not even in our lifetimes. And I don't think it matters. I think what matters is just the journey of like trying that out and experimenting and trying to have fun with that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that was the answer you were going for. Yes. That's like where my brain is at. <laughs> One of the big things that when I was going through chemo, I was in the comics and I, I prayed to be a superhero. <laughs> and I was 17 and, you know, it felt like I was croaking. At one point, I even got a gun and was going to shoot myself during it after losing a testicle and chemo. And I heard that uh, Nirvana Kurt Cobain lithium song and I couldn't do it. It was like all my friends are in my head, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I wrote the band like a little fanboy. I'd never written a band before and told them their song saved me or whatever. Next thing you know, he shot himself. I was like, man, come on. But the, the thing is, when I said that superhero prayer, something happened. And that's where, you you know, some, some, some kind of shamanic power thing happened. Something said, okay, we're going to show you some things. And uh, I'm still waiting for the the symbiote suit or whatever and it's, it's gonna be a long wait i don't think it will ever be that literal <laughs> yeah i know that's that's one of the things i struggle with like you see these school shootings that just happen it's insane and you're like yeah. come on god we need a superhero or something to intervene in this it's just think, so sick and i think it's just gonna have to be place. us i think we're gonna yeah. have to be it you know that's it's One thing hard. I do, I do try to, you know, make sure I check myself and that like, I'm not waiting for something or someone else to like come and like, you know, to, to fix change it. it for me. Yeah, yeah. Fix it for yeah. me. Like I have to, with my being, try to be the best person that I can be always and just, 
every person that I interact with, like hopefully their life is, you know, better, you know, changed for the better if, if possible. Definitely. I noticed you have some, uh, some comics on your, uh, website that, and those, a lot of those fit in with the classy, uh, psychonaut, uh, yeah. Chronicles and psychonaut presents. Psychonaut presents is actually a memoir of some of my shamanic training, um, just done in comic book form. Um, so it's just little segments of some of like the things that I was put through and had a lot of, it was just kind of a way for me to, you know, process some of that. So, um, and Simon Myth Chronicles is, uh, a, it's a fiction tale. It's kind of, he's kind of like a modern day Gandalf, um, in a world where magic is legal, it's real. And he works for an agency that kind of helps, you know, regulate magical happenings in the world and, um, having a lot of fun with that too. So, and then uh, I've gotten into comics and now I'm trying to run from them because it's just too addictive and too big of a mess. And <laughs> definitely. But uh, there's some fascinating things, though, for sure. Like there's one comic, uh, Northlanders. Uh, it's like a Norse Viking comic. Mm -hmm. Just so many cool ones. Once you get drawn in, you're like, man, I need to get it. It's like crack. Or something. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a wonderful medium. I, yeah. I it is addicting, um, but I I love it. There's just like there's there's a comic out there for every person, no matter what you're interested in, no matter your age level. Um, there's there's something out there for everyone, and that's that's what I love about it. It's not a genre; it's a medium, for sure. What is MVCC? It says coming soon. MVCC. Um, that is, so we've already, already kind of, you know, um, uh, uh, come out with that, but that is a collective, uh, new vision comics, collective, uh, collaboration between me and my childhood friend where we always wanted to make comics together. Um, and that's, so that's more of like my traditional kind of like superhero kind of stuff. Um, but it's a, it's a collective group of comics that I make with him. And we usually, we usually put those out at, um, comic, comic conventions, and, and things like that because that's where that's where that market is so definitely and uh, i've never been to any of those but uh i know comic collecting gets crazy for sure mm -hmm. no doubt about it mm -hmm. and uh so what uh what are you, what do you plan on oh first off we got about what 25 minutes are you okay with that or do you, i mean what, what's your, i didn't really discuss the, the time with you or anything um i've got a break? I've got a few minutes. I, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know how long that this was going to go. I thought we were going to be about an hour or so. So, okay. Um, where well, where that, are you at? Well, we in five till, but we we can okay. start closing out if you need to go. It's okay. I mean, it's not a problem at all. I was just that's why I checked mostly. Okay. Yeah, I but, appreciate that. I appreciate it. But yeah, uh, and as far as uh, what do you have planned in the future? book wise is there something you're working on next you know i'm not sure because um i've created i've put a lot of books out in the past year and i'm really tired <laughs> um for sure so um i am working on my simon myth comic so you know people can be stay tuned to you know future issues of that because i'm i'm just enjoying making that right now um i am interested in possibly making a non-fiction book like investigative book about these people in red, these beings in red, um, and try and trying to get more stories from people on that, and and doing a little bit more research. But I got I got a lot more research to go. I haven't really done a deep dive into 
you know, any mythologies or folklore or um, indigenous tales regarding that sort of thing. So I, I definitely yes. need to get cracking on that. But that that is one of the next things that's probably in my purview, for sure. I have to check out your horn god book. That's always fascinating. I'm a Capricorn, so into those I like horn gods. But uh, <laughs> but we appreciate it so much. It's been great having you on. Definitely keep us in the loop in the future, and we'll get you on again for sure. What what's your website if you want to give it out? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, DanielMullerWeb.com. That's where people can find me. Daniel Muller Web. Well, we appreciate it so much, and this has been uh, trans, trans, some transformation. And uh, and most of my shaman guests, uh, I don't, I know you most most of you are into remote healing. If you send out thunderbolts of healing, send me one. I could use one. And we appreciate right. it so much, man. It's been great. Wham sent me one recently, and I, I felt the zap. But the more the merrier. Lately, I'll send you more zaps. How's yeah, that? I need them. Thor, send me a zap. <laughs> well, have a good weekend, Daniel, and thanks so much. All right, you too. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, take Bye. care. All right, everybody. And uh, next week is uh, Al going back, uh, native horror author from Florida. I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a good one. Uh, I've been trying to get him for a while, and I finally, finally got him, trapped him. The old coyote, I got him. <laughs> his last book was coyote rage it's about this uh, coyote trying to get rid of the humans and bring the fur feather fin folks back pretty good sounds good to me he gets really really uh deep with some native horror for sure uh no doubt about it and i know he's friends with joe r lansdale and uh looking forward to that one let me see what else is going on uh scheduling wise <clears throat> to pull this thing out here. Uh, Ra Costado. That's June 17th. It's a lot of weird alien stuff. No, he's on Leak Project a lot. Uh, that's where I saw him at. Weird alien stuff. Yes. Is, is, is any alien stuff not weird? This is what I want to no. know. <laughs> it's all weird. It's all and then... Weird. Yeah, it should be interesting. It gets pretty, pretty deep with some stuff. Uh... I saw him on Leak Project. Oh, I didn't watch it, but I saw the titles. Let me look. I'll just read some of it real quick. Uh, let's see. Leak Project. Let me see. I don't know what's up with YouTube lately. Every time you go to it, you're unsubscribed. Every time. Everything you subscribe to, you might as well not. You're unsubscribed as soon as you go back to every channel. And I think it's a fluke or something. I don't know. Or they all hate me. I don't think it's that, but it's just weird. But uh, he was just on uh, Vedic Wars and Technology of the Gods. Uh, what? Keeper of the Souls. And found altars to the Horn God of the Underworld. Well, Eye of the Pyramid and Elite Nephilim Bloodlines. Uh, Origins of the Vatican, Guardians of the Underworld. Uh, so stuff like that. I'll have to write and remember those so I can ask questions around revolving around that stuff. But, uh, and June 24th, Cliff Dunning, that's marijuana and the prostate, bring your prostates. And, uh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm nervous about that one. Oh, Let me I see. Won't know nobody messing with my prostate. It's like nobody going up there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I don't like to mix my weed with prostate. But anyway, July 1st, Jerry Sargent. That's a British dude that used to be like a criminal or something that 
uses energy of the stars. Uh, we reschedule schedule him. Here's one that I made sure not to schedule you for. <laughs> Donnie Brooke, wrestler from Georgia, Trump QAnon lover. <laughs> with Jay. I made sure Jay was there for, I think he still likes Trump for some dumb reason. I don't even know. I don't try to question it. It just makes me want to throw up. But uh, both of them should make me want to throw up at the same time <laughs> that night. But anyway, we were talking about Elvis and aliens. I'm sure I'll make fun of QAnon. <laughs> but uh, I figured if you were for that show, it would not be good. It would just well, be really I, I, would, I would have to tear his head off. Yeah. So I put Jay there so we could just laugh about that. I'll make fun of I told the dude, I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like it. Jay, I don't think Jay likes QAnon. I think he likes Trumple Gooch for some damn retarded reason. I have no idea why. Okay. And then July 15th, Dago Deoxy. It's like a Brazilian Santa Teria dude. You're there for that one. July 22nd, Granddaughter Crow, a native lady with a book from uh, Llewellyn. Been getting a lot of Llewellyn. I'm working on July 29th. August 5th is Kate Johnson. That's, uh, I think that's like Celtic stuff, but I'm still working on stuff. But uh, some lady wanted to come on about some egg that she made that you sit in and you have transcendental meditation. I don't know if I'm doing that one because you don't get a free egg. You just get a book. Now, if I got the free egg, maybe that's probably like a $10,000 egg, <laughs> some kind of egg she made where you go. And I don't know. Hell if I know, I don't know if I'm doing that one. Just one of those things the publicist sent me. We're like, what the heck? I don't think I'm going to get a prototype egg. Some kind of egg you sit in, you know, one of those meditation, reiki right. light sound, yada 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 things but and there are some other Llewellyn's just been sending me their catalog so I've just been going wild through there it was pretty cool so uh just been sticking with that right now and uh that's it so far I'm working on it slowly but surely and uh so your your audio book is out my audio book is out nice it is out indeed on audible on audible and uh, yep. And if and, like, and, and I think that I posted, I think that I posted sort of a a promo thing, promo link to your to Church of Mabus um, Facebook page, okay, so cool. that so that if people go to that, then they and and they're not on Audible, they can still sign up for free and get a free copy of the book. They just have to make sure. That they uh, uh, that they subs that they unsubscribe from Audible so they don't get charged in a month or ten days or however long it is. Yeah. But if if you use that link, you can. I shared it as well. So. Okay. Good. good. On both both my pages, for good. sure. I've been watching Obi Wan Kenobi. And how's that been? It's pretty good. Uh, it, uh, basically takes place after Anakin gets lava killed in the prequels and turns into Darth Vader. Uh -huh. So it's Darth Vader whining about that. And he's after Obi-Wan trying to track him down. But what's interesting in it, they have these inquisitors that's on the dark side and they're looking for anyone that's force sensitive to basically enslave them to the dark side. So if you're force sensitive, they'll find you like the witches sort of, and they go after yeah. you. 
and uh, Luke is a kid in it. Leia is a kid in it, which is kind of weird. It's like, because you know, none of these people are going to die, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of, but it's not bad. It's good. Uh, and I'm, and you know, it, the cool thing is James Earl Jones is back as Darth Vader as the voice. So Hayden Christensen cool. plays him as the actor, but James Earl Jones is the voice. The voice is back. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it's worth watching. It's interesting, though, because it does seem like sometimes on the earth, like in my experience, when I kind of awakened to some stuff, spiritual things, it was like something kind of got sent out during mm -hmm. my UFO stuff. And I saw that vehicle that the dude waved and it shot off. So it makes you wonder if there's like weird agencies like that that get called out that they want they don't want you to do that or something. Try not to get caught up in the light and dark good and evil thing, but sometimes it's kind of hard not to. Like it kind of seems like there's something to it. But on some levels you're like, well I don't want to get caught up in that. It's like a lot of BS. But uh but when you see things like these school shootings and stuff, like God, it's just like it just seems like there's something evil festering here maybe it's just stupidity i don't know what it is but it's like a battle not to get caught up in that mode of thinking you know the whole light and dark and good and bad and you know it's like there's some kind of truth to it but you can get carried away to with it too much i guess and become a victim right. of it there's just so many different ways to it but to me, it seems like there's something to it. But then I'm kind of trying to use discernment not to get too wacky thinking about that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where I felt like something's come to me and tried to do a Faustian pack, like come to the dark side and give you the Darth Vader package. I'm like, is this my imagination or something really here messing with me? You know? And then at the end, I'm like, Jesus in the light, I choose that. <laughs> Jedi, Jedi seem kind of, you know, shaman-like to me. You know, there's something to that. Or, uh, you know, there's, there's connections to all that. The Force, Force-sensitive. Yes. Disney's really pumping out the Star Wars mayonnaise lately, but it's it's decent. Mandalorian was good. A Boba Fett show was pretty good, but they're doing a bunch more. And they're like, uh oh, they're gonna milk this till it's dead. <laughs> like there's so many shows, Andor, some other show, and some other show. Like there's too many, but uh, I still like it. Hopefully, they don't get too crappy. But you're dealing with Disney, so yeah, it's true. That's and true. Disney is a mess on many different levels. Uh, you ever met, uh, watching Jesse Ventura much? Uh, no, I never have. No. He was on some show, Opie and Andy, and got in a big fight with him. That was insane. Uh, I always liked the show Conspiracy Theory, but I mean, he seems a little goofy, but there was some weird, like, if you look it up on YouTube, Opie and Andy gets in this giant fight, and they look like they're about to kill each other in the in the radio room and uh they were kind of being mean to him and that the guy from the opie and andy show seemed like a little dick like <laughs> what i saw from it but uh i know i saw some of the conspiracy theory shows they did and uh there's worse people i know uh alex jones was just on howard stern i didn't watch i don't know if i'm going to but i might just for kicks just to see how stupid it gets <laughs> but uh, i saw that on youtube not too long ago and uh so has anything been going on in the native circles more up there? Are things heating up for the well, summer? Well, th things are opening up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, there's, there's, a, they've just started doing um, 
they've just started doing the the Friday night drum circles again um, that meet, I think, once or twice a month. And and there there's a CSA called um, Seed Song Farm that is very much connected with the indigenous community. And they have started doing stuff again. You know, a lot of that's kind of all fell into abeyance because of the of the pandemic and so powwows are starting to pop up again some of the older powwows that i'm that i'm familiar with there's like three of them that i used to go to they still aren't doing in-person stuff they aren't but there are some others that have started up so i figure it's just a matter of time you know it's a matter of getting you know, uh, a lot of the organizers who have done this stuff in the past, you know, past couple of years, they've taken big financial hits, you know, on this. And so it's, you have to, you have to get the site, you know, you have to get the site, you have to have, you have to get the vendors, you have to have a certain amount of capital to get all that out there. And, you know, it's going to take it a while for, yeah. it to, for some of it to recover. We were going to go to some, and then Florida, they just weren't any, really. So we couldn't. Then we were going to go to Renaissance Festival. There weren't any. It's just like they all canceled. Hopefully, they'll start coming back at some point. Uh, I've never been to I've been to Renaissance Festival. I've never been to a powwow. I'd like to check one out and deal, you know, immerse myself in that energy, have that experience. So hopefully we can. I know I saw some walking by my mom's TV, some sports uh, basketball crap, and there's people out there all together huddled up. And, ah! <laughs> it would creep me out, but uh, and of course, you got monkeypox now, so whatever's going on with that it looks scary no matter which way you look at it. Uh, I've seen pictures of it. Uh, I had some breakout on my leg, and I don't think it's monkeypox, but something got me. Oh, well, no, it's not monkeypox. Monkeypox, no, no monkeypox is. Monkeypox is actually rather difficult to get. It's not that contagious. Everybody who's gotten it here has been in close physical contact, i.e. probably sexual contact, oh. with an individual who had it. So, and, and in fact, from humans, that's how it's usually spread, is through sexual contact. So, and, and it's unlike COVID in that... Um, we've known about this disease for, for 70 years. There's a vaccine that takes care of it. Um, it's very similar to smallpox. It, it's not nearly as deadly as smallpox was. So it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, not going like, to be well, the next COVID. Or no, anything. it's not going to be the next COVID. It's a completely different virus. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to be, you know. Now for them monkeys. <laughs> I get you. That is, as far as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and the, the, the Force situation, uh, it's just interesting that, you know, it's it's a prequel to the prequels, I guess, and all the kids are, uh, like, Luke is a kid and Leia. It's a little weird, but it's still, still worth the watch. Uh, but, yeah, Disney's definitely milking it. I know they have a, a Predator movie coming soon that looks interesting. Uh, it's called Prey. It's about a Comanche woman that has to fight that alien Predator. It looks pretty good. I'm looking forward to that. Like, it takes place in Native American times, and that thing comes down to start hunting. And, of course, the, the chick has to fight it, the Native chick, for some reason. They were warrior Native chicks, weren't they? 
surely. I mean, they were like, I know they're Viking shield ladies, but they were like warrior women with, with there natives. Was, there's, there's some evidence of it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, cer certainly the, uh, the Romans thought that the Germania, that's the, or we get the term German were barbarians because they, 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 the, the women often fought with the men. So that was proof of their barbarian nature. I mean, Tacitus talks about that. So I'm sure that there probably were. Now, during the Viking Age, I don't know, because the Viking Age is a very specific period in Scandinavia. And um, I don't, there, there, it looks like there may have been some women that did, but not very many. Um, I th because uh, the whole culture was going through sort of a patriarch patriarchal kind of fit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there were some, you know, I, I would figure, I mean, I could see them being pretty strong, but you know, as far as uh, in the history, a, a lot of movies, you know, since a lot of movies have strong uh, female lead and, you know, it's more prevalent now with a lot of stuff, but I mean, aliens with Sigourney Weaver and things like that. And now this, uh, predator movie, which is just called prey, which I'm looking forward to. And, uh, Marvel just started a new predator comic. It looks pretty interesting. Uh, I think Disney bought that or some crap. God, Disney leave stuff alone. Unless, I mean, uh, let's, yeah. Wasn't it Disney? I think, let me see. Pre Disney predator. I believe. So. Yeah, it's Disney. They, they grabbed it. They own Alien too now. They're buying up everything. It's crazy. Yeah. But it's, I'm trying to uh, want to get some good guests lined up for the Halloween time. I'll be doing. I'm doing August now, but got to get some good ones for that time of year. I have no idea. Uh, I'm sure it'll it'll come to me. Usually, some books come out around that time that you can kind of choose from to get a good feel good feel for that. Uh, situation let's see what's going on you remember alan greenfield yeah i know, I know who he is yeah I know who he is. yeah i've interviewed him a long time ago i just re-added him on my uh facebook all right get him on he's in georgia uh i know i interviewed him like when we first started but it's been uh, been many moons since he's been on but i might try to get him on at some point uh he's in atlanta sure he knows the little five points and all that where i'm from well not little five points i'm from metro atlanta i've been to little five points it's kind of like the weird hippie punk weird weird place but now it's been commercialized too much probably to the point of wanting to throw up uh i remember being there and you'd see people dressed as dracula walking around and you know mohawks and deadheads trying to sell you acid and stuff like that uh but i've heard it's kind of tamed down trying to find ufo books and i put ufos and beauty and care on amazon let me see uh wrong wrong books and uh preston dennett i've interviewed him and written for him but never on the show i don't really see a lot going on in that area right now with ufo books you come across anything new lately in UFOs or any kind of books that are interesting? Honestly, the stuff that I've been reading about UFOs, UFO stuff is a little bit different. I've been reading, um, let's see, I've been reading um, a book by James Carrion, um, who um, who wrote a book called The Rosetta Deception, uh, which is about 
um, the evidence that he's uncovered and it's like declassified evidence from a number of different places, including in Europe and, and, and other sources. And he documents all this pretty explicitly uh, where he's um, talking about where there's, there's clear evidence that intelligence services um, dating from before um, the end of World War II up until, I think he takes this up until the 70s and maybe a little bit before and a little bit after, um, were, were instrumental in um, helping to hoax and develop various, almost all of the major UFO events. Not, not every single UFO event and certainly not every single individual experience that people have. But, you know, the ones that became the most famous, you know, like uh, the Tacoma Maori Island incident, the um, Roswell, um, Kenneth Arnold, um, the Pascagoula um, um, abduction case, uh, the, the Gulf Breeze sightings, you know, the ones that people look at, or even the Betty and Barney Hill case, which I'm looking at right now, um, so, and this is, he's, he's not trying to say that there is no phenomena at all or that people never have these experiences, but rather that the CIA has used the fact that there is, that there are these kinds of experiences that people have, he's, that they've used that to try to um, cover up. Initially, it was for the Cold War. You know what I mean? And so then they found out that they could use it for other things. They could use it to, uh, you know, cover up um, testing of new uh, equipment, or they could use it just to experiment to see how far certain types of dis disinformation could go, and that that's been done a lot in South America, for example. So, um, so I'm just I'm just reading books like that to kind of get a different sense of some of the different things that may have been at play. What's the title of it? It's called the Rosetta Deception. You can only get it as an ebook on on Amazon. They don't. He doesn't do the print version anymore. But it's called the Rosetta Deception, like the Rosetta. Okay, I see it. I see it. Yeah. First, I thought you were talking about that dude from Mufon that quit, but that's not the same no, guy. No. I know there's a James Carrion that was in Mufon that he quit or something. No. Some controversy. Well, but this, yeah, this is a different guy. I saved it. I have to check it out. And 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 then there's a couple of other books that that um, that I had heard of, but I just had not read yet. One of them is called something like "The Greys Have Been Deceived" or something like that. Or uh, and it and it's it's basically about it's basically kind of exposing uh, the dark underbelly of the whole kind of Bud Hopkins, David Jacobs. Uh, Scott Carpenter school of hypnotizing abductees, you know, um, and, and sort of, uh, you know, cause a lot of their, a lot of their famous abductees like Linda Cortile or, uh, or, um, oh, I can't even remember the, the woman. Jack Brewer, the grades have been framed. Exploitation yes, the in the UFO community. It's actually a very interesting book because it's not really about the phenomena itself. Um, because he's not, he's not even talking really about whether or not, you know, people are actually being contacted or not. He's talking about the exploitation of the contactees and abductees by investigators. Yes. 
And uh, I actually had a, a, a relationship once with a Bud Hopkins uh, patient. I called her Chicken Lady, and it turned into a, a nightmare. And uh, the great thing is always kind of something unsettling about it. I, that you know, I don't I don't know how to explain it, but uh, anyway, Chicken Lady was someone I dated, and she ran off with a Satanist, and it, it was it was a well, good, go. bad situation. <laughs> Chicken go. Lady, but she was a patient of his, and uh, but I'll have to check that book out. I've never heard of Jack Brewer. I have to. Have yeah, to. this is based on uh, this book is based on a series of of blogs and interviews that he did. And it's it's pretty good. I mean, it, it collects it collects. Oh, Emma Woods. That's who I was talking about. Emma Woods is the she's the abductee that 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 took all of her material and put it online in order to expose David Jacobs. Yes. Um, and 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 so it's I think it's good. You know, it's it's something that needs to be talked about because I actually talk about this a little bit in my dissertation because I noticed this, I noticed this kind of uh, weird dynamic that existed between um, between abductees uh, or people who were wanting to claim abduction in one way or another, and some investigators, particularly male ones. I I saw an exchange between a putative abductee and John Mack uh, at once at the at the Ozark. Um, UFO conference. I attended that a few times. And one time I actually met John Mack and he and I sat next to each other and had this whole conversation. And he was really, he was given a presentation. He was really grateful that he was talking to another academic. So he could like talk to academic talk, you know what I mean? Instead of abductee talk. And so we were sitting there having a conversation, a fairly abstract conversation about stuff. And this woman sort of came out of the audience and kind of sashayed down the down the aisle and like plopped herself in his lap plopped herself in his lap and and wrapped her arms around him his neck and 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 said said something to the effect of i want you i want you to uh, i want you to hypnotize me or something and he was like mortified <laughs> it was a chicken lady you know, I don't know if it was chicken like you But the point is, is that, you know, is this, this weird dynamic. It's creepy. Yeah, it was very creepy. It was very strange. For sure. Well, uh, I'm going to start closing out. I tell you, I tried to take my second round of sleep earlier, and these lawnmowers came through and then stormed, so there was no second round of sleep. <laughs> and keeping weird hours, like going to bed at 5 a.m. and stuff, I don't like it, but once you get on that certain uh, pattern, it's hard to break. It used to be early morning. Now it's like reverse of that. I used to go to bed at 10 and wake up at 6 a.m., now it's the opposite, so it's been messing with me. And then I try to take my little snooze today, and these freaking lawnmowers show up and just got mutilated. So now I'm hallucinating. So, but everybody, uh, thanks for listening, and thanks, Wham. Thanks to Daniel. It's a great show, and we'll see you next week with Al going back. O W L going back. Native uh, American Indian horror author. He says American Indian, not native. So let me stick with that. Uh, all right, everybody, have a good weekend. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. Right, good night.